says in his word he says if you seek me you will find me and we always like those promises but we don't always look every time you see a promise there is always a requirement before you get to the promise and if you keep reading that verse it says that uh, if you seek me you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart and so God's not just going to show up this morning we must seek him with all of our heart. He is the God of revival. Amen. We must seek him. I hope you came ready to seek the God of revival this morning. Amen. If you're saved, it's wonderful. It's another day the Lord has made. If you're not saved, we can take care of that before you leave. Amen. Make sure you come see me. All right. Put a smile on your face and turn around and tell somebody you sure do look good this morning. Let's fellowship for just a little bit if we could. Amen.
good to be in God's house and good to fellowship with God's people. You can find your place. You can go ahead and be seated if you would. Amen. Brother Martin is going to come, and he's going to give us our announcements this morning. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. All right. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, do we have any first-time visitors? Any first-time visitors signify it by raising your hand? got a couple over here one over here one of our ushers I, I see Eric I see Toby one of our ushers is gonna hand you a card um, please just turn that card in on the way out uh, we do want to keep up with your visit here this morning also we have a very big week this week uh, Wednesday morning Bible study at 10 a.m. and then we do have Wednesday night supper at 6 there will be no youth services no adult or youth services unless you are just so excited that you want to come help with BBS. We, we are kicking off our B, BBS service at 6, 5, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Um, and then uh, we're going to do that for uh, Thursday, Friday, and then do something for, fun for them on Saturday morning. Uh, any young people, if you want to come help me with some games, I will be running the game studio area. Um, we do need more volunteers for the summer. Cleaning teams, yard teams, if you would like to volunteer, just see Brother Mark on that. Uh, giving can be done in envelope or you can give online at giving.landmarktyler.com. It's a one-time setup. Well, no, we don't do the PayPal anything. We need to take this out. That trips me up every time. Uh, we do have VBS. I already covered that. This week, start. <laughs> I wanted to hear that one more time. Starting Wednesday at 5, uh, setup day is today. If you've been in this hallway, you have seen all sorts of things. We need short people, tall people, all people to help put all those things up. Uh, we also need water, water, and water. What do we need? Water. water. That's courtesy of Miss Mary, because we are out of water. Um, the little ones we like for the little kids, because you know, they'll go get a whole bottle and take it. Us adults too, I'm gonna include myself. I don't do that, but I've seen some of y'all do that, so I'll include myself. And then uh, we are setting up for BBS today after church. We do have free pizza. Brother Mark is gonna cook it himself for all helpers. And then tonight, we have movie night at 6 p.m. We have popcorn, candy, and Jesus. Popcorn, candy, and Jesus. So tonight at 6 p.m. All right. Amen. Thank you, Brother Martin. Hey, we do want you to help us. Uh, and uh, we have been trying to uh, register early, pre-register as many for VBS as we can. I think we still uh, have some uh, sheets on the table back there. That just helps us, makes things go a little quicker on Wednesday night. If they're already pre-registered, we don't have to spend a ton of time there. So uh, please come. Please help us. Uh, again, stay today and help us if you can. I will feed you some pizza uh, as a thank you. All right. Well, let's continue to worship. If you would, let's stand to your feet again. We're going to sing the great hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Amen. Let's sing it together.
something special for you tonight for our, uh, for today for our last song uh, brother Kelly and miss uh, miss Angie are gonna lead us in the great song blessed assurance and we want you to sing along with us on the chorus all right amen
Praising my Savior. 
assurance father we love you thank you for your blessed assurance god that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we belong to you and the only reason we can do that lord is because it's not dependent on me it's not dependent on how good i am how many good deeds i have good works i have lord it is all about what you did for me on that cross and lord you offer everybody in this room the free gift of salvation all we have to do is reach out and accept that free gift today so lord i thank you we can have blessed assurance all day long all lifelong don't have to worry about it because it has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with you and your blood that was spilled on the cross i pray if somebody needs to be set free from that today lord that they would come to know you as their savior god we love you thank you for our time together continue to be with us as we worship through the preaching of your word i pray today god move me out of the way because there's nothing good in me except you today so i ask you holy spirit to move in an incredible way in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to uh, give our kids uh, to Children's Church, so the older kids are going to go out to the Children's Building this way, and our younger kids will go this way. Or are we taking them all out there, Miss Cindy? Okay, two, three, four-year-olds, they're going with Miss Louisa. So you can meet Miss Louisa over there. And the older kids, they're going to go out here. Amen. All right. Man, always wonderful. Our children and our children's workers do a wonderful job. I hope you will. If you can't help us with Vacation Bible School, I hope you will pray for us uh, for Vacation Bible School. Because this building is going to be full, and it's going to be chaotic. Amen. Uh, but it's going to be good chaos, amen, and we're going to give them Jesus, and we're praying for many, many kids to get saved this week, amen. And uh, then uh, I also want to encourage you, too, if you've got kids that are going to attend, we're going to have VBS service next Sunday morning, and we're inviting all the parents. So if your kids are coming to VBS, be sure and put on your calendar for next Sunday morning because we're going to put the kids up here. They're going to sing. They're going to show you what VBS was all about, and uh, we are uh, excited to show you that. Well, I'm going to talk to you today about stress. <laughs> Nobody in here stressed, are they? Is anybody in here stressed? You know, if we're honest, probably we would all raise our hands. Now, stress comes in a lot of different forms, doesn't it? Uh, stress can come from a lot of different situations. Stress can come from a lot of different places in our life. Uh, but today, I kind of want to give you 
what is one, I believe, of the solutions for stress in our lives. And you see it right there. The concept is this, less is more. Now, we live in a culture that says the exact opposite, don't we? You need more, you need more, you need more. What is advertising is all about. You don't really have a complete life unless you drive this car. You don't really, uh, you don't really have fun in your life unless you drink this beer. Uh, you don't really have fun in life unless you own this. And it's all about stuff, stuff, stuff. And so our culture today preaches more, more, more. But I want to tell you t today that is contrary to the word of God. God teaches us that all of our value, all of our everything we do should be in him. And in fact, he goes so far as to tell us the only thing in, things in life that will last are the things that are done for him. Everything else is going to rot, rust, and fall away and be destroyed. Amen. I've told you this before. Uh, I got good news and bad news. If you are saved, you get to go to heaven when you die. Um, but I can tell you this. It's 100% sure unless the Lord comes back, everybody in this room is going to die. I can't tell you when. I don't know when my time is. Uh, the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And you don't make that appointment. God makes that appointment. And he doesn't tell us when it is. And I've told people before, uh, when I preach at funerals, it's not about the date at the beginning on the headstone. It's not about the date at the end. It's what did you do with that dash in between? How did you live your life? What did you invest your life in? Was it just stuff? Because guess what? At the end of the day, and this is a depressing thought, but it is true, when you die, somebody else is going to drive your car. Somebody else is going to spend your money. Somebody else is going to live in your house. Somebody at your job, they'll, they'll replace you at your job within a week or two. Amen. And all those things that we put all of our energy into, and I can guarantee you, some will grieve for a while, but life will go on. And somebody else will have all that stuff because you don't take any of that stuff with you. So why do we put so much energy? And why do we do it, especially when it causes so much stress in our lives? Now, Brother Mark, are you saying that I should not have nice things? No. But there is a difference. Nice things are not the problem. If you read one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible, it does not say that money is evil. Many people misquote that, and they say money is evil. So if you got money, you must be evil. No, that's not what it says. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen? And so you've got to understand, it's not bad to have money. It's not bad to have nice stuff. The question is, how do you perceive it in your mind? Do you own the stuff? Is the stuff just a tool to you? Or does the stuff own you? Because many of us, we get ourselves in a financial situation where the stuff owns us. Uh, you can buy almost anything in your life today on credit, right? And it, sometimes it doesn't even matter how bad your credit is. They are willing to finance you. Uh, they will sell cars and tell you no interest, no payments for a year. And that sounds wonderful, amen? That sounds wonderful for a year until the year's over and then everything kicks in. And then all of a sudden you realize, I'm driving a very nice car, but I'm really driving a car I cannot afford. Or you look for that house and you say, you know, that house is pretty nice, but ooh, I sure would like that bigger house over there. And the Lord says, you know what, you really don't need that. But if you're going that direction, sometimes the Lord will let us learn our lessons on our own the hard way. Amen. And you will get in that house and it's a very nice house, 
But many, many people are living in a house they really cannot afford. Amen. And you don't own, at that point, you don't own the stuff. The stuff owns you. Amen. So we're going to go over that this morning and talk about, well, all right, that all sounds real good, but how do I live that way? Listen, if you go back, uh, Adam, it all started with Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve, you remember they were in the garden, and God said you can have of anything in the garden. All of this is yours. You can have anything in this garden except one thing. Anybody remember what it was? It was that fruit, all right? The, knowledge, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. There was one tree in the garden, and he said you cannot eat of that tree. Well, guess who showed up? Satan shows up. And Satan lies to them. Now, they didn't see all of the other things that they could have in the garden. Satan lied to them and said, you need the one thing God said you cannot have. And so he, it all started with a lie. And guess what? He hasn't changed his tactics. It is still all about a lie. He will lie to you, and he will say this. You need what God said you can't have. Anybody know the end of the story? They eat of the apple. Sin comes into the world. And because of sin, death enters into the world. All right? And so sin begins with Adam and Eve. It all begins with that one tree. They could have had anything in the garden. There was plenty there. But Satan lies to them and says, God's lying to you. And God just wants to ruin your fun. And so you need to go eat of that one tree he said not to. Disobedience and rebellion. Do you have to teach a kid how to have disobedience and rebellion? No. They know how to do that on their own. They learn very fast and very quickly, don't they? So we need to understand. Um, here's the lie the devil will tell you. What you don't have is what you need. Right? That's the lie of the devil. That's the main lie of the devil. Whatever you don't have, that's what you need. And you've got to have it. And isn't it amazing how we are never happy, we're never satisfied? I see it every day. You're born with straight hair, you want curly hair. You're born with curly hair, you want straight hair. You're born with this, you're born with that, and we're never happy. It begins even with ourselves. Even when we look in the mirror, it begins right there, that we're not happy. Whatever we don't have, that's what we want, all right? And so Satan propagates that lie more and more and more. Let's go to our first um, scripture on less is more. It's Ecclesiastes 4.6. Ecclesiastes 4.6. says this, better a handful, and we'll give you the visual here, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Now that may seem like a riddle, but let's, let's read it again. Better one handful with quietness and peace than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. What happens when you get your hands too full? You really can't handle it all. You know what I tend to do when we come home with the groceries? I really don't want to make too many trips to get those groceries. You ever done this? And so I, grab, I try to grab too much, and I grab those 12 cans of Dr. Pepper because we, we believe Dr. Pepper is Jesus' drink, amen, at our house. And you're, you're carrying, and you got it all full, and you make it almost to the countertop, and shka. And that 12 cans of Dr. Pepper ends up going every which way, doesn't it? Spewing all over the walls. And what happens is we want more than we need. Here's the thing that you've got to understand. God promised to supply all of your needs. He did not promise to supply all of your wants. 
And we get that very confused many times. God says, I will supply exactly what you need, but I may not give you all of your wants because many of your wants, you don't need them. Amen. God sees that and he knows it's just going to cause trouble in our lives. So less is more, less of what doesn't matter. So if I'm going to live a less is more lifestyle, I have to first decide, okay, what are the things that really matter? If I'm going to cut some things out of my life, I have to first decide what are the things that really matter. So what I would like you to do is just think in your mind, or if you have a piece of paper, you can write on that piece of paper, what matters in life? And I want you to list one, two, and three. What are the top things in your life that you would say they really matter in your life? And I want you to think of it this way. Let's say you went to the doctor, and you were diagnosed, and you had three months to live. Puts a totally different spin on it, doesn't it? Puts a totally different spin. If you only had three months to live and you knew it was all going to be over, what would you then list as the three top things in your life that really matter? And they did a poll on social media. And, of course, I think you can guess what people put. God, relationships, my family, my kids, all of those things that we realize. Because once you're told you only have three months to live, it puts everything in a totally different perspective. And so you know what they didn't put once they put that deal of three months to live? They didn't put anything about money. They didn't put anything about those new shoes that they want. They didn't put anything about having to have that new iPhone. They didn't put anything about having to drive that new car. They didn't put anything about having that new and that bigger house to live in. None of those things mattered because once you got the perspective right and you realize life is short and it's going to be real short, I got three months, all of a sudden everything that matters comes into focus. But you know what? You and I need to live our lives like that. You may say, well, Brother Mark, I know I got longer than three months. No, you don't. Tomorrow is not promised. You don't know that you have longer than three months. You may not even have three months. So we are not promised tomorrow. So we need to live every single day as if it might be the last day. So what does that do? That all of a sudden gives you laser focus on the things in your life that really matter. And they are those things. My relationship with God, my family, my kids, what kind of parent am I? How am I raising my kids? What am I going to, what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? What would you put in those three blanks? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says your life does not consist in the abundance of stuff because none of it will go with you. He said it will either rot or rust or burn away. Amen. So we need to understand this. The scripture for this is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We probably all heard this, but I want you to look at it in a different way. In the very first few words, be anxious for nothing. But instead of nothing, I want you to break the word in two. Be anxious for no thing. Okay? Have you ever thought of it that way? Be anxious for nothing. Not nothing. Be anxious for no thing in your life. And let's be honest. What are the things that stress us out? The things, the things in our life, the things that we have on payment plans, the things that the bills come for every month, the things that we have to pay for, the things that we decided a long time ago, I got to have that car or I got to live in that house. And those are the very things sometimes. And you know what? God is a king. He's not a beggar. And so if you keep telling God, God, I need this house, I need this house, and God keeps trying to tell you, you really can't afford that house, you really can't afford that house, but eventually you say, well, I don't care what you say, God. You know what? God is a gentleman. So eventually God will say, you know what? I'm not going to force you. You want it, you got it. 
but you're also going to get what comes along with it. Amen? And then that payment comes, that mortgage payment comes, and there's more things on that mortgage payment than you think there are. Amen? You ain't just financing the house. You're paying the interest on the house. You're paying for the insurance. You're paying the PMI insurance if you don't come up with so much down. And they keep tacking on. And you, you go to the closing and you look at it and you go, oh, my gosh. That just went from pop, 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 pop. Amen? Because they just keep tacking things on. And then you realize one day about three, four months in, you go, man, we really, I really can't afford this house. Or we really can't afford this house. But we're, we're in it now. And guess what? The bank says, 30 years, buddy. We got you. 30 years. Amen. Can anybody tell me how long 30 years is? That is a long, long time. Amen. Even 15 years. Maybe you can get it on that 15-year plan, but it's still a long, long time. Amen. So we must have wisdom. We must have discernment. God has given you certain things on earth. Can I start with this? What you have, you don't own it. Well, Brother Mark, you don't know. I worked hard for that. I put my blood, my sweat, and my tears on that. No, everything that you have and your perspective will change when you think of it this way. Everything I have belongs to God, and he's just loaning it to me while I'm here. And so God has called you to be a good steward. That means everything you have is on loan, and he's watching how you handle it. Are you doing a good job? Are you a good steward with the things that God has loaned you? Because at the end of the day, again, one day you're going to die, and it's all left behind. It's all just on loan to you and I, okay? So uh, be anxious for no thing. So let's, I'm going to give you three things, and then we'll be done on less is more living. How do you do this? It all sounds good, but Brother Mark, how do you live on less, and how do you do this? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, and you're not, can I tell you right up front, you ain't going to like these three things. You're not going to like them. Amen. I don't like them, but they're very true. Number one, cut back. Right off the bat. I don't want to cut back. Cut back. Less stuff, get more friends. Instead of going out to eat all the time, instead of going to the movies, make some friendships. Get out of your house. Go, go get to know your neighbors. Have somebody over. Do a potluck at your house instead of going out to eat. And instead of, instead of stuff, fill your life with more friendships. Instead of more stuff, spend more time with your family. You know, I remember a day in time, many of you are my age or older, and I remember a day in time, my family, when we got to go to Whataburger, that was a huge deal. And every once in a while on a Saturday night, my daddy would have a generous heart. He'd say, come on, kids, we're all going to go down here to Whataburger or Dairy Queen. It was one of those two. And to us, that was fine dining. Amen? And that, that was a special, special treat. That maybe happened once a month. Every other night of the week, what were we doing? Mama cooked it. She didn't ask me what I wanted that night. Mama cooked it, put it on the table. And if I wanted to eat, that's what I ate. Now, I ain't here to sound like an old fuddy-duddy. Well, in my day, here's what we did, and bless God, it was a better way. I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but I'm here to tell you some of the old ways are better. People knew how to live on less. They weren't putting everything on credit. They weren't financing everything. My mom and daddy had this attitude. This is going to blow your mind. If we ain't got the cash, we don't need it. That just blows my mind because that's not what culture tells you today. 
My mom and daddy had the theory, if you could not afford to pay cash for it right then on the spot, you did not need it. Amen. And so we need to maybe go back a little ways, all right? Instead of more stuff, you need to have more experiences. Now, I'm one, you say, well, Brother Mark, all right, this is going to sound weird, but I think you need to take more trips. Because at the end of the day, all you're going to take with you to heaven and all people are going to have about you is those memories. And so uh, one thing my daddy did also, he, he did a lot of things right, some things he didn't do perfect, but my daddy was a workaholic, and he had started his own business, and we never took vacations. But when we did take a vacation, I remember how special that was. And when I got to be a, a dad, I said, you know what, we're going to take vacations. They may not be the greatest vacations all the time. We may not spend tons of money, but we're going to create some memories. Because at the end of the day, I remembered with my family, that was really all I had left was those memories and those trips and those fun times we had together. And it don't have to be a trip to Florida. It can be a trip down to Tyler State Park. I'm just telling you, spend more time with your family. Quit working so hard in double time and overtime trying to get the stuff and say, well, my kids need the stuff. I want my kids to have more than I did. Your kids don't need more than what you had. I want my kids to have it better than I had. They don't need to have it better than you had. Amen? Every generation makes that mistake. I want my kids. To have, that's why they're spoiled brats. Amen? That's why. Now, now, wait a minute. I don't want to offend the kids, but that's why I was a spoiled brat. My daddy looked at me from his generation the way he grew up, and he thought I was a spoiled brat. So I'm here to tell you, I'm not saying any of us, but every generation has said, well, I want them to have more. Well, you know what happens when we just get more and more and more? We get entitled. And there's a word called entitlement. And it's, entitlement means I think you, I deserve that, and I think you ought to give that to me. Here, can I tell you one that's real popular? My daddy, when it was time to get a car, I turned 16, got a driver's license. My daddy said, if you're going to have a car, you better go to get a job. I know some families today, kids turn 16, he shows up at mom and daddy says, where's my keys? Where's my car? That's entitlement. Amen? Is that better for the kid? Kid probably thinks so. But in the long run, no. If you don't teach a kid, what is your job as a parent? To raise that kid to be a responsible adult. Well, how do you raise a responsible adult if you give them everything and you don't teach them how to work for things? Whew. Brother Mark, you've been hard. I'm just telling you, amen? And again, don't look at these young people saying, this generation is some of the greatest generation we'll ever have. They're the future of our church. If you weren't here last week and heard them get up here and testify, you missed a blessing. And it ain't kids' fault. Go back every generation, and it's because we slacked each generation down. That's why my dad thought I was spoiled. That's why you thought your kids were spoiled, because we just keep slacking. So really, if we want to put the blame anywhere, we got to go back and take the responsibility as parents because we slacked off. Amen? So we need to understand. Uh, less is more. Teach them how to be a responsible adult. My kids now are 33, 32, and 28. And I, can I tell you this, today, knock on wood, if I had some wood here, I'll knock on metal. They all three have really good jobs. We got them all educated. They all got degrees, and they're all gainfully employed and on their own, and thank God, off of my payroll. Amen? <laughs> can, I, can I tell you that did not happen by accident? 
that is something you have to be intentional about. I taught my kids how to be responsible, how to go and do those things. Now, am I saying I was perfect? No. They still struggle. They got out of the house, and they had to learn how to go run a washing machine because we had probably washed their clothes too much for them. Amen. Uh, I know some families, man, my kids had it easy because uh, some, some of families, they had to do their own wash. They had to do all these chores and do all these things. So I, I was far from perfect. But I will tell you one thing. You've got to teach young people how to be adults. It doesn't just come naturally. And you've got to teach them how to work and teach them how to fend for themselves and be an adult in this world. How does a kid become 18, 19, or 20 and then go out on their own if they don't know anything? I'm, I'm here to tell you, get ready, because once they leave the house, they will be calling you going, what's this stuff about insurance? And how, how do I get some? Why do I need it? Uh, what is this deal? I've never gone down and, and applied for a car loan. How do, how do I do that? So all these things, I, I always said there should be a class in, in uh, high school called uh, Real Life 101 that just teaches you all those things, amen, that we, di we didn't get. Uh, nobody taught me. I had to learn them, and I had to go ask my daddy, amen. All right, so number one, cut back. Number two, clear out. Anybody in here besides me a hoarder? Amen. Hoarders, amen. All right, we'll have a club session right after, amen. We're all going to be in therapy, amen. But most of us, a lot of us are hoarders, and I'm going to preach to myself on this. We need to clear out. My wife and I, we, did, we were so happy one day because we cleared just enough space in that garage. We pushed all the junk to the edge. And the day we pushed all that junk to the edge, we were able to slide our car in there. And we thought, we've, we've conquered the world, amen? Because uh, we could get it. We can now get our car in the garage. Can I tell you, the garage was meant for the car. It wasn't meant for all that junk that you can't get rid of, Amen. So I'm preaching to the choir here, all right? This is difficult for people because if you are older, you go back a generation. If you didn't grow up with much, that's, that's why you have that. If you didn't grow up with much, then you have this attitude of, well, I might need that later. Or I really can't throw anything away because, number one, you're either too sentimental about it or you're just too, you grew up with nothing and so you don't want to throw anything away, all right? And so, again... Not your fault, but you need to deal with it, all right? Uh, I might need it. I'm, it's too sentimental to me. Many of us, when we go about our, our life and about our uh, homes, we are overwhelmed. You ever walk around your house and just get overwhelmed by all of the junk and the stuff? Speaking of that garage, I walk out in that garage, and I get anxiety. And it's like, there is so much junk here. Uh, but I don't want to have to have a garage sale either because I hate garage sales, amen. And I need to get rid of this, but it's, it would be a lot of work to get rid of it. And, and if you ever move, I have vowed I will never move again, not because I don't want to move to another place. I vowed I never move again because I don't want to move all this junk, and I keep accumulating more, more junk, amen, because I don't throw anything away. Your closet. All right, I'm fixing to get sensitive area here, ladies. You walk in your closet. And you see all those clothes. Can I tell you the clothes that I actually wear during the week? I can fit probably in a space about that big in my closet. But then the, I've got all these other things. And they're what I call my skinny clothes, my kind of fat clothes, and then my reality clothes. <laughs> Am I alone on this? Amen. 
And I keep thinking, oh, no, Lord, I'm getting back there. I can't get rid of those, amen. Can I tell you a good rule of thumb, and this is from a, a book that talks about minimalism. If you hadn't worn it in a year, get rid of it. You, if you've not worn it in a year, get rid of it. I just, some of you, again, I just freaked you out, amen. You went into total anxiety mode, amen. But here's the thing that we got to understand. If we want to declutter our lives, we have to meet it with reality and say, you know what? And there are great things. There's a place called Hangers of Hope and all their stuff. They, they, it's resale and all of the proceeds, if you give it to them, they resell it. And all of it goes to the Bethesda Health Clinic, which helps people, uh, low-income people get health care. Amen. There's wonderful Goodwill. There's all kinds of places you can just give that stuff away. And what, what is your junk will be somebody else's treasure. Amen. And, and here's, the, here's the theory if we go back to that scripture. If I got one hand and I got just what I need in this hand, what does that leave my other hand free to do? Be generous. Give it away. That's what that scripture in Ecclesiastes means. You got one handful, and guess what? That's probably all you need. That leaves the other hand free to just give it away. Be a gem We'd all really like to be more generous. We just don't know how to be more generous. Less is more. If you have a handful, that's probably all you need. Do you know, fat Americans, speaking to myself, did you know what most dietitians say? Most dietitians say the reality of what most of us need to be eating is a child's meal. And, and I told, when I, I was on a weight loss deal one time, and the guy told me, you can fit it in one hand. Well, I said, well, that's in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. Do you know uh, the meal portion, the meal size ought to be able to fit in your hand? I don't think that's a coincidence. That's scripture, amen? What are most of us eating, though? You ever go down here to Daniel Boone's and get a chicken fried steak? Good Lord. It, four people ought to be able to eat off of that thing, amen? But we sit down and we count it as a challenge. Bless God, they set that on my plate. That's what I ought to eat, amen? And so we just get to where we think that. Now, again, if you come from my generation, my mother was very big. We got dessert over there, but you got to clean that plate. What did that do? That sentimental, that put a mental thing in it, didn't it? So now I think if it's on my plate, I got to eat it, all right? And that's just the thing. Again, we have to deal with that issue. That's an issue that we have. And, uh, and then dessert, probably shouldn't even be dessert. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to eat it, just eat it a small piece, just enough to satisfy you. But we tend to, what do we tend to do? There is a sin, one of the seven deadly sins. It's called gluttony. And gluttony isn't just about food. Gluttony can do with stuff, money. What does that mean? I need more more, more. And, and when I think I'm satisfied, boy, that's, that strawberry cake still tastes good. I just need to eat a little bit more, a little bit more. We don't eat to nourish ourselves, do we? We eat for taste. And guess what? It's just going to keep tasting good. And guess what? I can lay that in. That's exactly how sin is, any sin. The devil makes sure it tastes good. And guess what? You keep indulging, it's just going to keep on tasting good until one day it's going to kill you. Every addiction we have, every sin we have, he has come to steal. Look at me. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Every bad thing in your life, the enemy is using it and loves it and laughs at us and says, I'm killing you. I'm killing you from the inside out. Mark, keep eating that food. I'm killing you from the inside out. 
Amen. That alcohol, it's killing you from the inside out. Those drugs, it's frying your brain and it's killing you from the inside out. Deal with it and get rid of it. Amen. Number three. You really ain't going to like this one. You didn't think you didn't like the first two. You really ain't going to like this one. Pay it off. Pay it off. Now you're getting personal, Brother Mark. Now you're getting personal. Proverbs 22.7 says this. I don't know if you've ever seen this scripture, but, and I'm not a tattoo guy, but if you ever had something tattooed, you need to tattoo this on your arm where you can see it every day. I'd say put it on your chest, but probably couldn't see it on your chest. Tattoo this scripture on your arm. Because we all need to know this. Write this on a card, hang it on your window, so you, on your mirror so you see it every morning. The rich rules over the poor. Here we go. And the borrower is servant to the lender. You do not need to be living on finance. You do not need to be living on credit. You need to get rid of that as much as you can possibly get rid of it. And I know we've all heard about you know, Dave Ramsey and those things. I'm not promoting any of those guys, but I am saying there is wisdom to that. There is wisdom to that. Now, you know, probably everybody, you can't afford to go out and pay cash for a house. So there's some things you're going to have to finance. But if you can get it, it, just think if you could just get rid of all your credit card debt, if you could get rid of all those payments, if you could get it down to just a mortgage, how much easier and better would your life be if you could get everything down to just a mortgage? But that ain't going to happen by mistake. That's not going to happen unless you're intentional about it. So pay it off. That scripture right there, that ought to convict every one of us. The borrower is servant to the lender. If the bank owns your house, guess what? You're living in the house, but you don't really own the house. You are servant to the bank until you pay that last payment. Amen. All right. Real quickly. Stress is bad. Would you agree? Stress is bad for you physically. It causes anxiety, worry. And do you know what that does to your insides? Put your stomach in knots. It will cause ulcers. It will cause uh, strokes. It will cause heart attacks because you are living above your means and your body, whatever's happening in your mind, will eventually manifest itself in your body. Amen? And so... If stress is bad, debt is really bad. Debt is really bad. How many of you would say, Brother Mark, if I were to lose my job tomorrow, I would immediately be in trouble? That's called living paycheck to paycheck. And if, if we're there, we're already in trouble because your job has no loyalty to you. Can I tell you that? You could walk in tomorrow, and they could come in and say, you know what? You've been replaced by a robot, or uh, we've consolidated your job. We no longer need you, and so you no longer have a job. Pick up your stuff off your desk and go, and you're out of a job, and you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. How much stress would that put in your life? An extreme amount of stress, and how are you going to sleep at night? Now you have no job. You don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, and you're tossing and turning at night, and you're not sleeping. And so then you're trying to operate on no sleep, and then you're stressed because in your mind, you don't know what's going to happen financially, and all this stress just keeps compounding and compounding, and it is taking its toll on your health. And the older you are going through it, 
the more it t- toll it takes on your body. All right? Can I say this? And let me just end. If you didn't like me, I'm going to end where you really ain't going to like me. And the band can come on up. Come on, band. And I want to say this. I'm going to wait till they get up here because I want you looking at me. I don't want you distracted. Now, I am not your daddy. But as I tell you many times, sometimes God has me want to talk to you like your daddy. So let me talk to you like your daddy. Everybody look me in the eyeball. Everybody look me in the eyeball. And I'm going to give you some things you're not going to like. Better is driving an old car that's paid off than a new car with a payment you can't afford. I don't know if any of y'all saw. I had a wonderful day yesterday. Y'all know that big, ugly brown van I drive? It's a 1999 GMC. And I keep saying, I'm going to get something new, but it just keeps on rolling. It just keeps on. Well, guess what happened yesterday? It didn't want to roll. And I got right in the middle of the intersection of the Loop and Old Henderson Highway, and it just died. Amen. And I had to call the police because I'm sitting right in the middle of the intersection. Worst possible place. Only a worst thing could have been was if I'd already made the turn I was in the oncoming traffic. Could have been killed right there. Amen. But I was right in the middle of the intersection, had put my flashers on. I'm freaking out. So I called 911, have a cop come down there because I know I, I can't even get out of the car. I tried to get out of the car, and then I said, well, at least, you know, if they hit me, they're going to kill me. At least if I'm inside the van, I got something around me. Amen. So I got back in the van. And the policeman showed up and, uh, you know, had to have it towed off and all that stuff. But what I want to tell you is this, because my kids ask me all the time, Daddy, why are you still driving that ugly beat up nasty old van and you know what I say because it's the best kind of vehicle there is no payment amen and I said till the wall till the wheels fall off or the repairs get more expensive than the car payment would be I'm just gonna keep on driving it amen because there's there's a four five six hundred dollars right there a month I can do something else with I can be a more generous person with I can help somebody. You know why most of you can't be more generous? Because you got a house payment and you got three car payments sitting in your driveway. <laughs> Did he really just say that? How dare him? But it's true, isn't it? Why do we live that way? We live that way because we've been sold the lie to be happy. That's what we've got to do. All right? We've got to understand God has made you a steward over what he's given you. And we are called to be faithful to it. Amen. And if that means driving a beat up old nasty brown van that looks nasty that breaks down in the middle of the intersection, that's what it means. Amen. Now here's what will happen. I hope here's what will happen. That my mechanic will call me Monday morning. He'll say, Brother Mark, just a fuel pump, $300. And I'll say, hmm, okay, $300 one time. Let's say it breaks down another time during the year. Okay, let's say that's even three, four hundred dollars twice in the year. Or four, five, six hundred dollars for a new van every single month. Still a way better deal. Amen. And so I'll just keep embarrassing my kids. Amen. I'll just keep embarrassing. It's a non-mistakable van. In fact, Miss Tracy texted me. 
if you see that van, you know that's Brother Mark. Amen. <laughs> Miss Tracy drove by me. She said, I just drove by your van. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Amen. Because it's unmistakable. But guess what? Better is that, and that car's paid off than that big car payment. You know what a van, a van or a pickup truck will cost these days? Shoot, come on. Don't get me started, amen? Better is living in a smaller house that you can afford than living in a bigger house that you can't afford. Amen? Some of you, you do not want to hear this, but the best thing you could do is sell that house you're in, get a smaller house, put the money, extra money away, or spend that extra money on something else. Amen? And get that stress off of yourself. Amen? That's not for everybody, but maybe that's for somebody. And the last one is this. It's better to have your debts paid and try to be debt-free the best you can than to be living check to check to check because there's no guarantees in life. Just like I said before at the beginning, uh, you don't know how many days you have left. You don't know how many days on your job you have left. And again, loyalty at your job is no such thing anymore. As soon as they say they don't need you and they don't need to pay that salary, they'll get rid of you. Amen. They won't think twice about it. They won't blink. Amen. So we need to understand. So uh, here's what I've discovered. People who go on mission trips, I used to go on a lot of mission trips. And here's a plug. We're going to try to go to Mexico in February because Brother Pablo has invited us. And they have, a, they have their church anniversary every year. And they love to have a big conference. And so when he was here this last time, he said, Brother Mark, please uh, come and see us in Monterey. And so we're going to try to go to Monterey at the end of February and go see Brother Pablo and his work there. But can I tell you, here's what I have. Every time I go on a mission trip, I come back and I say, what is wrong with me? Because I go to a third world country. I go to Mexico or I go to Africa or I go to Costa Rica or I go to someplace like that. And I see people who have nothing but seem way happier than I am. I see people who live in houses with dirt floors. And I wonder, why are they so happy? And then we, we go to the church house, and I see them just worshiping the Lord with great joy and with great splendor. And I wonder, how can they worship the Lord like that when they have so little? It's because they understand it. you don't need all that stuff. They never had it, so they're not tempted by it. And so we understand that. And so I would tell you, the greatest thing you can do, go to another country and see what other people live on. You don't know how rich you are until you do that, and you will realize how rich you are. Here's the last thing, and look at this, and then we'll, we'll pray. The richest people are not those who have the most, but those who need the least. Write that down. Take a picture of it. The richest people are not those who have the most, but those who need the least. Amen. You would bow your head and close your eyes. Father, may we learn that less is more. May we learn to be reliant on you. May we understand, God, you have called us and you want to meet our needs, but it's not necessarily our wants. God, you provided everything that we need, and you said we don't even need to worry about it. You said you clothe the birds of the field. You said you dress the lilies of the field. Why do we worry about all this stuff? Why do we worry about tomorrow? And so, God, help us to learn to live on less is more. If you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I don't know if I'd die if I were to go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to heaven if I were to die right now. I want to give you an opportunity to ask the Lord into your heart. Maybe you would say, Brother Mark, 
I'm just not where I need to be spiritually. I'm not living for the Lord. And I tell you, you can come running back to him. He's as close as a prayer away. That's you, either one of those. Just pray this prayer with me in your heart and mind. Say, dear Jesus, I recognize I am a sinner and I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of all mankind. Lord, would you please, I just ask you right now to come into my heart, forgive me my sins and save me. Every head bows, every eye still closed. You prayed that prayer today as a prayer of salvation or a prayer of rededication. Would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the house. We're going to have a time of response. If you'd like to come, we would. I'd love to pray over you. If you raised your hand just now, all you got to do is just come and say, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer with you, and I'll pray for you. Brother Martin's going to be on this side of the stage. I'm going to be on the other side. And uh, if you need somebody to pray over you, we'll pray over you. You just need to come to the altar. You need to join the church, whatever your need is today. Father, have your will in your way now during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a little bit. And uh, you come if you need to. Touch me and heal.
always like to end with a song of praise. And so if you would, uh, we're going to sing one last song together. Jesus paid it all. He paid a debt he did not owe. Amen. So let's end today with this, lifting our hands, lifting our praise to him.
that uh, you got something out of less is more. Now go try to live it. That'll be the really hard part. Amen. Uh, don't forget, Vacation Bible School set up. Uh, Miss Cindy's going to be in here in just a second, and she's in charge. We're going to have to kind of push all this stuff on the stage to the back. We're going to transform this stage, transform all the rooms into VBSville. Amen. And uh, we will feed you pizza if you stay. So if you can stay and help us, God bless you. Amen. Uh, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for everything that's happened in this place today. And God, just have your will in your way uh, during BBS. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget, movie night tonight, 6 p.m. You are dismissed.